All right. Um, I would like to pray this morning uh, before we before we come to the passage of scripture we have this morning for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can gather together. Lord, you are good. Um, even just as as I have shared a few announcements this morning, there's things that are difficult, and yet there are things that we praise you for. And we are so grateful that when difficulty comes our way, you are with us in the midst of that. And then we also recognize that um, every good and perfect gift comes from you. So thank you for the gifts that you give to us, the ways that you just tap on our shoulder and say, I am with you. I am here. I thank you for that. Father, I, I ask that you would um, guide my words right now. Thank you that you have revealed your word to us. Thank you that we have scripture. Uh, Lord, help us um, as we engage with the passage this morning. A familiar passage to us. But uh, may you teach us this morning. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have you ever found yourself awestruck? This morning, Chris and Shemika mentioned the words, be awestruck. Uh, have you ever found yourself just quite honestly awestruck? This last week when I was thinking about that, answering that question for myself, the very first thing that came to my mind was Danny Ray. Uh, Danny Ray probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you. He is a Christian illusionist. Uh, He does what people would consider magic. It's an illusion. And um, when I was a youth pastor, I had him come a couple times to my youth group. He's from Southern California. Great man. Love the guy. I had him twice come, and he performed. He did an illusion show incredible. I, I mean, I would watch him, and you can actually YouTube him, if, YouTube him if you want later. I would watch what he does, and I was awestruck. Wait, how'd you just do that? You know, that's what I was trying to figure out. How did you just do that? I just watched you do this, and it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, it's kind of almost like the Carbonara effect, if you've ever seen that before. It's kind of like that. He does that. Only difference is when he does it, he presents the gospel. He presents the truth of scripture. I've been thinking about having Danny come up here to Kingwood sometime in the near future. I think that we might actually enjoy having him as well. Uh, I also, the second thing I thought of in being awestruck was in 2016, my family and I went on a road trip And we visited places like Crater Lake. You know, we had, okay, I'm 41, almost 42, had never been there. And yet it's just a few hours away. People from all around the world come to visit it. So we went to Crater Lake. We went to Yosemite, went to San Francisco, and we also stopped at the Redwoods. Now, I'll be honest, by that time, by the time we got there, we were getting a little bit cranky. Dad was getting a little bit cranky too. I'm not, I'm not above and beyond. And, and, and Kelsey was the one who was, 
we're going to go see the big trees. And we were, the rest of us in the car were, oh, come on. It's just a tree. And so she's like, no, I really, I have done the research on this. I have, I know what I want to see. And we, we went there. And, and we first, we went on this trail, walking through the redwoods. And we, we come across one of the trees. And we were like, wow, there was some awestruck going on. And we thought, this is the tree. Okay, mom, that's awesome. That's great. Can we go back to the car? Let's go to San Francisco. We keep on walking. And then we get to the tree. Ah, oh, awestruck. It was an old rotten tree. It had fallen over. Maybe many of you have seen it before. And we just stood there. And we just looked at this huge tree. We were awestruck. Once a year, my family enjoys going up to Hoodoo Ski Bowl. This is the third awestruck. Uh, I've been skiing since I'm five, since I was five, since I was fifth grade. I've never gone often, but about once a year, maybe twice a year, because it's so expensive. It's just expensive to go. But I love to go snow skiing, and actually, all five of us love to go snow skiing. We do it together once a year. And I've been numerous times where, like, it will be sometimes raining, sometimes overcast, cloudy. You cannot see the top of the mountain. But I've also been sometimes where it's beautiful. And it is white snow-capped mountain meets a canvas of blue. Just a beautiful blue sky. And as we take the lifts on up to the top, I'll just look out over everything. And you can see Central Oregon. Jaw. Say, hits the floor. I'm in a ski lift. Hits my seat, maybe. Awestruck. I'm awestruck. I'm awestruck at the beauty. Those are times that I've been awestruck in my life, and I know there's other times for sure that I have been awestruck. This morning, I want to focus on the shepherds who were awestruck. Shepherds, common people, they were awestruck. What they experienced was far beyond the three things I've explained this morning. They were seriously awestruck by the Messiah who entered our realm, was willing to get dirty with us, became one of us, and they hear this announcement There's a newborn king in Bethlehem. Go and see him. I want you to revisit the passage that we've already looked at. And I don't believe there is any harm in looking at it again. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke. Luke chapter 2. I've been in some, I've done some Bible studies where actually before you begin to 
really try to understand a text, you've actually read the passage three times. So we're going to just simply read this a second time. Because how easy it is for us to engage with Scripture and yet miss Scripture. So I want you just to think with me this morning about what's going on. If you don't have a Bible, there is a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. You're welcome to follow along there. If you do, I'm on page 724. 724. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. It says this, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. Pause there just for a brief moment. Joseph and Mary, who we've already looked at, they were Nazarites. They were from Nazareth. There were, this was actually, Scripture tells us this was foretold by the prophets from long ago. But the prophets also foretold something else. What was it? They foretold that the Messiah, the newborn king, would be born in Bethlehem. Well, how are you going to work this out? Mary and Joseph are from Nazareth. This is how God worked this out. He used Caesar Augustus. And God can use whoever he wants to accomplish whatever he wants. And he used Caesar Augustus. There's a census taking a place. And the census required that Joseph would go back to his ancestor's hometown, Bethlehem. And that's where he goes. Verse 4, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, where he's from, in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Why? Because he belonged to the house and line of David. Verse 5, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for them in the inn. Pause again. Joseph and Mary, who have to make a trek to Bethlehem, are there. Mary is... Fully pregnant. And all I can imagine is Mary speaks to Joseph and says, Joseph, it's time. What are you talking about, dear? It's time, Joseph. Oh, it's time. It's that time. Yes, I'm going to have a baby now. I don't know how it all worked, but but Mary is, she's there and she's, Pregnant, and she's, it's time. And while they are there, a son is, excuse me, a son is born. 
Just as Gabriel said. And they name him Jesus. And they place him in a manger. Because there was no room in the inn. Let's read on. Look at verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Nearby where? Nearby Bethlehem. Keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were terrified. Scared. They're terrified. So we have had encounter after encounter with angels this month of December here, haven't we? The shepherds are confronted with an angel. Was it Gabriel? I don't know. Maybe so. I tend to think this is just my opinion. Okay, this isn't scripture because scripture doesn't tell us. I tend to honestly think it's not Gabriel. Why do I think that? And it's neither here nor there. I think that because Luke identified Gabriel in relation to Zechariah and Luke identified Gabriel in relation to Mary, it only makes sense to me that if it's Gabriel, again, he's going to say Gabriel. He doesn't say Gabriel. Now, again, it's neither here nor there. What we do know is an angel comes and appears to the shepherds. And the response was terror. I'm a dead man. Terrified. I'm terrified. The response was not like Mary's. Mary seems to be okay. There's an angel talking to me. Why are you talking to me? And what is this greeting? She was troubled by the words. Joseph has a dream. And an angel appears. But Joseph doesn't seem to be too terrified either. But these shepherds were terrified. Their response was like Zachariah's response. Terror. Oh! Awestruck. Terrified. The same response that Daniel had 500 years earlier when he met Gabriel, he was terrified. That's the response of the shepherds. Read on. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Don't be terrified. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest. (laughs) We are often think that these words are being sung. It appears 
they were said. And I wonder how powerful this must have been to have an army of angels. When Luke says there was a great multitude of angels, he means there's an, an angel army who appears and speaks these words. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on woman whom his favor rests. Glory to God. That had to be wow, awestruck to be a shepherd, to be confronted with the supernatural, to have an angel, one, appear to you. I understand why you're terrified, why you're shaken. And then the angel responds, don't be afraid. Man, this is good news. I have good news for you. You, shepherd, I have good news for you. These shepherds, they were the outcasts. They were despised people. Oh, that's just a sheep herder. That makes sense for a sheep herder. That's the mentality. It was, I hate to say it, but it was, they were just, they were considered just low down people. I think this is part of the reason why the shepherds are probably awestruck. They are speaking with me. And then a display, a glorious display of this angel army saying, glory to God in the highest. And then how do the shepherds respond? Well, they responded in verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, and let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord just told us about. Let's go check this out. I want to see this. And, and they go, what's the sign? Did you catch the sign? Well, the sign was this. You need to be looking for a Savior born in Bethlehem. That's the location the Savior's a baby. That's important to note. You're going to find a baby. And this baby is wrapped in cloths. And the baby is lying in a manger. That's a sign. A manger is a feeding trough. Okay, so if I'm going to be looking, I'm going to Bethlehem. I'm looking for a feeding trough of some sort, with a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in there. That's the sign. Now, Bethlehem, a small town. I doubt there was 
a whole lot of other births taking place that night. And even if there was, I don't think they were in a manger. I don't think they're in a feeding trough. And so these shepherds who were just on the outskirts of Bethlehem go into Bethlehem. It's a small town. Yes, there's more and more people who are there because of the census. But I wonder if you could just start to talk to people. Do you know of a pregnant woman? Is there a pregnant woman that you know about? Is there a feeding trough somewhere around here with a baby who's been born? Perhaps if you ask enough people, you're going to find the answer. It's over there. That's where that baby in the feeding trough is located. Verse 16, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and she kept pondering them in her heart. Shepherds, on the other hand, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as had been told them. Everything that the angel and the angels said was just as it had been told to them. And they were confronted with the Messiah. They were confronted with Jesus. And they were awestruck. They were awestruck because of the angels. They were also awestruck Because everything was just as it had been said. God worked as he said he would work. He did what he said he would do. And for that, the angels praised God. They were awestruck. This message series, you see it up here, and you've seen it on the front of your bulletin the last few weeks now. It's been called Wisdom from on High. I have never yet unpacked that. It's just, you just see that. Wisdom from on high. Yet, though I haven't unpacked it, I believe that you have caught glimpses each week of this wisdom from on high. Think with me. Back over each of the four weeks of Advent as we have lit the Advent candle, or the candles now. Week number one said, be faithful. Be faithful. God who seemed silent for 430 years, was faithful. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were living on the edge of these 430 years of God's silence, seemingly silence, they were faithful to God. Or they were faithful to God. They continued in faithfulness. 
And the message that God had for Zachariah and Elizabeth, Elizabeth, you're going to be pregnant. You're going to give birth to a son. You're going to call him John. And that John is going to be my mouthpiece. After God hasn't spoken for 430 years, the last time God spoke through a prophet was through Malachi. And now John the Baptist is on the scene and John the Baptist is a prophet, a speaker for God. And what are some of the very first words that came out of John the Baptist's mouth? Or his mouth? He didn't have mouths, plural. Out of his mouth, what did he say? He said this, prepare ye the way for the Lord, meaning get ready. The Lord's coming. Get ready. Are you ready? Now, God, in his wisdom, did this. God, after 430 years of silence, began to speak again, and he He spoke in the greatest way he has ever spoken. Jesus came. And Jesus is referred to as the Word. The the voice of God. That's wisdom from on high. Then week two. We said to be ready. We had a young, common, unknown virgin girl who had never been with a man experience this encounter with an angel. The angel says, Mary, you are greatly favored. You're going to be with child. And Mary's response, I am the Lord's servant May it be to me as you have said. Exactly what you have said is what I accept. Again, this is God's wisdom to use a common girl from Bethlehem, or sorry, from Nazareth. A common girl from Nazareth. Use her. Allow her to be the one who carries the Messiah. This is wisdom from on high. We may have done this differently, but this is how God intended this to come about. And then week three, last week, we said to be open, be open. We had a young man, also very common, and yet a young man who was able to trace back his ancestry to King David. He's ready to divorce his wife. And yet he has this vision, a dream. An angel comes and appears to him and says, you need to take Mary as your wife. And he follows in obedience. He's open because he's open. He not only hears it, but he also applies what he hears. And though Joseph probably could have been thinking, man, if this was my plan, I would totally do things differently here. But God, this is your plan. This is the plan that you intend. And because this is your plan, this is what I'm going to go with. 
This is wisdom from on high. This is not my wisdom. This is your wisdom, God. This is what you intend. And today, week four, be awestruck. The shepherds. This is God's wisdom. The people he announced his coming to are those that society had pushed aside. Are those that society had no room for. And yet that is who God in his wisdom said, this is who I make my announcement to. This is God's wisdom. This morning, as I was getting ready to come down here, I was thinking about a song that I had actually completely forgotten about until this morning. Uh, when I was growing up, we used to actually play it at Christmas time. And I don't even remember fully who it's by. I want to say maybe like Phillips, Craig, and Dean, if that means anything to you even. Here's what I know. They sing this line. This is such a strange way to save the world. It is. Humanly speaking, God's wisdom does not match our wisdom. What we think is wisdom. It's actually rather silly what we consider to be wisdom. Our wisdom, Scripture says, is actually foolish. God is working. God chose to work. And in the fullness of time, meaning when God said, it's time. That's when Jesus was born. That's when Jesus came into this world. And we might look at this and we might look at Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. And we might say, God, this is such a strange way to save the world. This is a way God saves the world. And the more I look at it, the more I can just simply say, God, your wisdom is beautiful. I'm so glad that you, God, have worked as you did. That you worked in the life of Mary. That you worked in the life of Joseph. That you brought Jesus the way that you did, that you 
made your announcement first to the shepherds. And they praised God. Because if Jesus is for shepherds, who society says is the outcast, then Jesus is for all of us. And that is true. That is what the angel said. This news is for everyone. It is for all people of all time. And you and I are included in that. This is the wisdom of God. And do you know that the wisdom of God did not stop there? The wisdom of God continues. The wisdom of God continued in the life of Jesus. He did things differently than what you and I probably would have intended if we were the ones to write the script. He went to the cross. He was crucified. He was buried. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. That is wisdom from on high. And I just simply ask you this morning, do you believe this wisdom? Do you believe that which might seem foolish to the world around us? It's a simple message. But this is a message of wisdom. Do you embrace that message? And beyond salvation, God continues to work in our life. And there are times where you and I say, God, I don't understand your ways. To which I think God would probably just respond, yes, but do you trust me? His ways are perfect. His ways are higher than our ways. Do we trust him and do we believe? Do we believe in him? I hope that you do. If you don't, I just would say this. Do not let Christmas pass you by without giving your life fully to him. And again, I mentioned this last week. I'll mention it again. We can be religious. We can believe that, well, I think these are all just things I believe. I wonder if we have failed to ever recognize that to God. Have we humbled ourselves and said, God, I come to you. These are things that intellectually I have said, I know it. But have I actually embraced it and have I humbled myself before the Lord and said, Lord, I come to you. These are things I tell other people, I believe, but I don't know that I've ever told you. And you are the one who matters. And so I come to you and I recognize I'm sinful, I'm broken, I need your salvation. You came to bring this. This is the message of Jesus. This is his wisdom from on high. I trust that you know that. If you don't or if you question it, come to the Lord this morning. God, I come to you and I want to be certain I trust your wisdom. I trust you. And I choose to tell you that I believe in you. I need you. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for this morning that we've had to share together. Lord, I thank you for the beauty of this Christmas season. Lord, I pray that this 
This coming week here would be a special week for each, each person here. But Lord, more than it being special, I, I pray that we are willing to trust you. Trust your wisdom. Lord, thank you for the strange way in which you have chosen to save the world. And yet at the same time, I say, Lord, wow, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is your plan. I'm so thankful that we intellectually know this plan, but Lord, may we more than just our minds engaging, knowing this, Lord, may our hearts understand this plan. May we understand this plan with our heart. May we trust you with our heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.